0: Welcome to another holiday episode of the Fancy Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host and Commissioner Patrick Polk, and I'm here to talk about another holiday classic with another guest. That guest is John Rhodes. Hello, John.
1: Another guest. That's my intro.
0: I am just saying we are in for another treat. A a great guest, a a fantastic guest. Yeah, now we're going. a, A podcast pro... Um. The inspiration for the existence of this podcast. Is that better? Legend in his own right. Something exactly. like that. And his own mind. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it is me. How are you doing tonight, Pat?
0: I'm good. How are you? I'm
1: not bad. Uh, can I ask you a question? You may. Eat anything good lately.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. You're, you you joked or not joked that you're going to take over immediately. Uh, and you did. Okay. So... I wasn't prepared for that because I was about to talk about a specific movie that you requested. What did I eat recently that was particularly good? Um, undercooked Turkey? Does that count?
1: Is it good? No. Was it, it good?
0: Was, it was not good. I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't think that's... Oh, here we go. Uh, my the, the, the s'mores pie that I made for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. was good. It was probably the most complicated thing that I've ever made solo, but it was good. It turned out well and uh it was good it was very good
1: that's an excellent answer i'll let you i think you had something you wanted to say you can probably get back to that
0: well i mean the plan is to talk about different people's selection for holiday movies and we've we've done one that has been officially released uh the last episode was talking with abby about the movie the holiday and you chose a movie and agreed to participate and what movie was that
1: Uh, Jingle All the Way is the name of the movie I chose.
0: Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad and to a lesser extent, Phil Hartman and, uh, Rita Wilson and the kid who played Anakin in the Star Wars prequel. Uh, a divisive pick, I would say. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, what is your, what are your feelings about this movie generally and, and, and why did
1: you choose it? When I was growing up, I saw this movie and I thought it sucked. Uh, I was a discerning film watcher as a child. And I liked adult, not like adult, adult, but I liked grown up things more than kids things. And I was like, this is a shitty kids movie. It's dumb and I don't like it. But now in my advanced age, I think it is uh, unquestionably a bad movie, but I like watching it. And I think there are a lot of things in this movie that are really funny. And then a lot of things in this movie that are just trash garbage.
0: Okay. And how often do you watch this movie normally these
1: days? Uh, One time per year. But I watch watch it every year. And in fact, uh, I think it might be the only Christmas movie I watch every year. Holy
0: cow. Whew. So this, I watched this for the first time for the purposes of this podcast. Um, I So it came out in 1996. I was 13 at that time, and I was clearly discerning enough to realize that that would be a bad choice to watch. Uh, the main thing I remember when this movie came out, besides it being poorly received and bad looking, was on Conan O'Brien um he always had those sketches where there'd be a celebrity essentially it looked like a cardboard cutout of a celebrity with a mouth cut out and someone's mouth would be in speaking in the mouth part uh and imitating the celebrity and he always did that with arnold schwarzenegger and he did a lot of uh, recurring bits where arnold schwarzenegger would be like be sure to watch my hit movie jingle all the way this holiday and he just like really strongly push. Uh, for people to watch Jingle All the Way, and that was like the main thing, and I thought it was really funny. They they made him insane and uh, really forceful in advertising Jingle All the Way. And that's my main memory of it until watching it now.
1: I think when I was in that time frame, uh, I also watched Conan a lot, and like they really that was one of the main things they always had Arnold hit when he came out and did that. Yes, and it would always it would be like a twist. It'd be like they ask him something totally unrelated. And he'd seem like he was sincerely answering it. And then at the end, it'd be like my number one hit holiday classic jingle all the way. Yes. That it was just absurdly not the correct answer to the question he had been asked. But yeah. That's what he wanted to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you think it's a bad movie, but you you like the movie.
1: Yeah. I'd like to talk about Christmas movies in general a little bit before we get into it, though. Is that OK? That's fine. Uh. We don't have to get in, I don't want to, obviously people debate like what a Christmas movie is and is this thing a Christmas movie and is it not. But I I think that it is important in my head, there's like several groupings of movies and I think this one slots into an important one that I like. I think that there there are Christmas movies that are legitimately good, but there's like two of those. And then there's movies that aren't Christmas movies. And that's most movies. <laughs> and then there are movies that are Christmas movies. And we put up with them because we like that there's Christmas stuff in them. And they're not actually very good. But it's fun to watch because there's Christmas stuff. And we know all the notes. And we've seen them before. And I think this is an excellent version of that. Which at the end of the day is secretly what all the things we think of as like fun Christmas movies we like are. Almost everything we think of as a Christmas movie that we like isn't very good. And this isn't very good either. But if you watch this and you know the notes and you watch it with your family, or watch it with a group, you're going to have a good time. I think, I think this is a, and I think this is in some ways more legitimate than the actual good Christmas movies because those essentially don't exist. I, I think this is better. Most emblemizes a, a good Christmas movie and is, is better than the actual good Christmas movies.
0: I'm going to disagree with your police work there, John. Uh, I, I agree that there are a lot of not good Christmas movies.
1: Can How I many agree? good Christmas movies do you think there are?
0: Like that? You I don't like? have to
1: name them, but like try to try to think about it and come up with a rough number. I think if you do, there's, they just don't exist.
0: There, there's probably like five to 10. Yeah, but I think that I don't think that necessarily a bad Christmas movie makes it uh, like it doesn't fill the same void for me that it does for you uh, I, I agree that this is a bad movie obviously someone who originally watched it as a child and then continued watching it will have a completely different perspective and like you know nostalgia and other feelings wrapped up with watching the movie but I To me, it is just a bad movie and it is not like filling the role of like a fun, reliable thing to watch and to know the beats of. Although for the purpose of this, for one very specific dumb reason that I could get into detail if we want later on, I watched almost the whole thing. I watched the whole thing once taking detailed notes and then I thought I remembered something and I didn't remember where it was in the movie at all. And so I watched almost the whole movie again, like two more times, to try to find the yep. thing I was looking for. So I watched it like very nearly three times in the past week, um, and then a bunch of other exploration of this movie. So I've, I'm instantly extremely familiar. I'm an expert, I think, on this movie already. Um, but but I don't. But it was over a very short period of time instead of my childhood to adulthood.
1: I think I'm going to question your police work on you not liking this movie. Mr. I watched it three times in the last week. Sounds like you're having an okay time. You wouldn't have put up with it. The low points are low, but they're low in a way that it's enjoyable to watch. And the high points, the legitimately funny things in this movie are very legitimately funny.
0: I did not think this movie was very funny except for a few highlights. I think well, there are about every time Phil Hartman things. is on the
1: screen, No, every I... single scene with Phil Hartman is an A+.
0: Disagree. So we, uh, depending on how you you want to go through the plot, I think there's a decent chance, unlike some of these other movies, um, because this one is so divisive and was originally panned. I think there's a decent chance that some of the very small people who are listening will not have watched this movie ever before.
1: I agree with what you just said. Anybody who hasn't watched this movie is very small and petty and doesn't deserve to see it.
0: (laughs) That's not what I said. But, uh, so it might be more useful to go over the movie kind of chronologically for this one than for other movies that are more likely for people to have seen. So I think there's a chance it might be worthwhile to go through the whole thing, but I also have the topics that I did with Abby. So I have a top three, a bottom three, um, some highlights to discuss things like that. So how do you want to go about it? Do you want to go through the whole movie? Do you want to talk about top three, bottom three? What, what sounds good to you?
1: I think we should do both. We don't have to go through the whole movie. I do want to go back for one thing though. I don't have nostalgia for this movie. Okay. I didn't. I think I saw it when I was a kid once. We didn't own it. It was not a regular thing. All of my enjoyment in this movie, uh, the, when I, I say I watch it every year, that's all happened in the last five years.
0: Wow. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, so the, the Trump era, really. You, that's when you decided to get really into Jingle All the Way.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: You are in a good place and you're like, I know just the thing for Christmas spirit jingle all the way.
1: I got to tell if we're going to evaluate like whether or not I'm in my right mind, when I think about movies, that it's not going to get better. You think something (laughs) good's going to happen someday? No, it's going to (laughs) be like this for the rest of our short lives. Okay. Uh, Okay. That's not an answer.
0: I hope that to not be true.
1: Good luck with that.
0: Yes. So let's briefly talk about the general structure of this thing. Uh, And and then
1: maybe some highlights and lowlights. I can start with some general structure stuff that I think makes this movie really good. (laughs) Okay. One, it is a hair under 90 minutes. But two, the opening scene is stupid Turbo Man fighting Dementor, Worthless. Fast forward through that. That's two and a half minutes. And it's got a seven and a half minute uh, credit sequence at the end. Now there is a, there's a scene after the credits you need to watch, but that means this movie is less than 80 minutes long. That is a selling point. I, I think that's amazing. It's so you get so much good content and it's not even an hour and 20 minutes as you're devoting to this. That's probably a huge part of why you watched this three times in the last week and had such a good time.
0: So one of the things that I, um, in my research to become an expert on this movie was i listened to the entire commentary track by red letter media i i actually wasn't familiar with them before this but i was trying to find like i what i was first trying to find was if there was any uh repository of like director's commentary tracks on the internet if there was a dvd version that had either an arnold Schwarzenegger or director's commentary track for the whole thing And there are some websites that serve that purpose, but I did not find one for Jingle All the Way. But I did find Red Letter Media, which is like they release commentary tracks for a bunch of them. They call them half-in-the-bag reviews oftentimes because they get drunk. Uh, And so it's just people kind of cracking on the movie and talking about it, but they are very knowledgeable about the industry and about the making of movies. And so I listened to the entire Red Letter Media, and one of the things they talked about was how they cut they obviously cut this movie down to the bone to make it as fast as possible to rip yep. people off. They hate this movie by the way, passionately. Everything about it ripped it to shreds the whole time and uh one of their criticisms was essentially like, yeah, like this was obviously cut out like like for instance the very first scene, they're like uh you know the Turbo Man like thing that looks like a Power Rangers episode. They're like they got two very famous comedic actors uh for this scene and they didn't have any lines and so they're like obviously this must have been cut down because you don't hire those comedic actors
1: who are be... those actors i didn't recognize them
0: uh i don't remember offhand one of them was somebody from seinfeld i think there were t- th- and jackie Childs
1: is was... in the movie later i liked that yeah
0: yeah uh there's there were two one one i think was a woman from snl back in the 90s and then there's another person from I think maybe a bit part in Seinfeld. Anyway, there are like two people that they said were famous comedians, and they're like, you don't hire those people to not give them any lines. This was obviously cut down further. They're trying to rip people off and get them in and out of the theater as fast as
1: possible. You know, was that Jackie Childs from Seinfeld? Is one of the hosts of the Wintertainment Parade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder if that lady was the was from that, too. It was from something, too. How long would you estimate the uh, Red Letter Media commentary track you watched was? Oh, it's is exactly it, it's the length okay. of the movie. Is so it, that means it's you're up to six hours of uh, uh, Jingle All the Way content in the last week, but you don't like this Plus, movie plus, reading. plus reading. Plus reading. Plus a
0: 30-minute so, documentary okay. on HBO.
1: Let's call that seven and a half hours now. How much time have you spent at work in the last week? 40,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: This is this is a huge portion of your leisure time for a movie that you didn't care for.
0: Yes, I take my job seriously that pays no money to talk to friends about movies. I, I wanted to maybe really you just be think it's fun,
1: and you're like, oh, I could, I could put on one of those good Sinbad sequences again. Uh, I don't have to tell Jen. Jen will never know if I watch it one more time before bed.
0: <laughs> she wouldn't know because she goes to bed before I do, and a lot of my video game playing and podcast research occurs while she's asleep. It is true. Another thing about them cutting down the movie is the they edited it a bunch, and the the post credit scene was initially part of the ending, and that was all chopped up, and uh, and so the, another thing that they did to like get it cut down to the bone again, like an eighty nine minute movie plus, as you said, credits and everything. I actually thought that the intro scene that kind of looked like Power Rangers was pretty fun. Like it was like a. It, It grabbed your attention at least, and it was confusing uh, for first-time viewers. Like, man, they they were very dedicated to Turbo Man for this movie for sure. They wanted him to really be a real superhero that was a big deal and very popular.
1: Were you were you a big Power Rangers fan?
0: No, I saw some of it. I think I was a little bit too old, possibly. Yeah, Um, I I never got into it, but I was aware of it, and it very much looked like Power Rangers. I thought.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of I didn't watch Power Rangers either. And so I could tell that's kind of like what they're going for there. But I honestly, like I, as a defender of this movie, I got nothing out of that initial scene. I, th- I wondered maybe if there were like references to power Rangers, you got that I didn't or something, but I, I it's, it's bizarre to me that you don't like this movie, but you're defending that scene. And it's, I literally said, fast forward through it because it's completely worthless. Yeah. I'm horrified about what you're going to say about everything else.
0: Well, just, I was
1: horrified on your behalf, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Here, here's here's one of them. One of my bottom things is how terrible I think Phil Hartman is in this movie. I love Phil Hartman so much, and at, literally everything else he is in except this movie, and I thought he was terribly miscast and misused. Boy, I and could I not disagree. Really, I, well, really. I can tell you
1: my uh, top three, number one, Phil Hartman in general. Like, I I think he is. I think this is. As funny as he's ever been. It is my bottom
0: three, uh, a terrible misuse of Phil Herman.
1: Well, This is also, this is his next to last screen roll. I know. It's this like, and then small soldiers and he's out.
0: It's like uh, Raul Julia, his last credit being the Street Fighter movie. It's just a yeah. real shame that he was in such a piece of trash before he
1: died. This is not a good movie, but I think... I, I and I, I can't I can't speak on Raúl Julia in Street Fighter, but I think Phil Hartman here. I think this is a testament to his greatness that he he overcomes the material, and I think I think he really delivers.
0: So okay, how about we talk about the movie? So in general, obviously the the point is Arnold Schwarzenegger is a very busy bad dad, like a lot of movies, like In Elf, which I watched and recorded a podcast about half of. I recorded half of a podcast about this movie
1: um, is about as good as Elf. I think that's true. Uh, Elf is not. Uh-huh. Elf is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it's fine. You like Christmas stuff. So there's some Christmas stuff. You like it.
0: I think Elf is fine, and I think this is worse than fine. Yes.
1: Um. But the
0: dad in Elf is a busy businessman yep, yep, yep. who is too busy for his newly discovered son. Whereas Arnold is a busy dad who is too busy for his well-known son. Um. But and he want he doesn't get the Turbo Man doll. Two weeks before the p- events of this oh, movie, oh, I had
1: big issues with that for
0: sure. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> these were just littering the streets. You could you would couldn't walk a block without tripping over a Turbo Man two weeks ago, but now people are literally getting into fistfights at the mall to try and get one. Um, so he, so the whole movie is him and Sinbad having crazy hijinks, trying to get this doll. Um, Phil Hartman is a neighbor who is a slime ball who tries to be charming, tries to be very well-informed, but all of the neighborhood ladies uh, love him and want him to come over and wink, wink, you know, fix their sink. Uh, but Arnold's wife is not interested, and he hits on her and tries to rape her at the end of the movie.
1: Mm, I Tries to rape, I think, is hitting it hard. Okay. But I, I, would, I would say... He's certainly smarmy, but when you say tries to be charming, tries to to be knowledgeable in regards to these other women, there's no try. He is doing it. These women are in love with him. If you watch that scene at the beginning at the karate class, I don't know why they keep calling it a karate class. They're not teaching him anything there. But when you watch that scene, all the women are like staring at him, even when they're not delivering lines, like every woman in the crowd is like mouth open agog can't believe they get to be next to phil hartman and- I,
0: I say this because uh, the obviously in the context of the movie these charms are completely lost on arnold and his wife and the viewer the audience like he, he in the fiction of the universe the other wives or moms um love him but he is he obviously it, it is not genuine charm to the viewer of the movie he, it is he, it is transparent that he sucks from the start
1: Do you think all these other women now, nobody, none of these other women have like doting husbands nearby. Obviously, Rita Wilson doesn't either, but we know that she is married. Do you think the implication is these other women are all widows or divorcees or single moms? Or do you think the implication is they are all just stepping out on their husbands because Phil Hartman is too good to pass up?
0: I think the. I feel like there's no way that they're all supposed to be single moms for one reason or another. It doesn't it seems impossible that all of them don't have uh, someone in their life for one reason or another. I think that must some of them must be cheating, I think, is the implication.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, The best line in the karate class is when uh, the second mom who wants to fuck him is like, hey, uh, my porch light is out. Could you come over and take a look at it? And then Phil Hartman says, oh, yeah, I got just the tool for the job. You have no idea what's wrong with the porch light. How could he know what the the only way to read that is it's it's my dick. My dick is the tool for the job and I've got it.
0: No, he's a, he's probably a certified electrician, and he
1: but like, what him. he doesn't know what's wrong with that. Maybe yeah, he can, he can any it number out. of things. He
0: knows what whatever the tool is, he has it the So right he thing.
1: knows he has all every single tool, and he's confident that one of them will do the job, even exactly. though he does all he for all he knows, just a fucking light bulb, and the tool is his hand. Now maybe the tool is his hand, though. Sometimes that's better.
0: There was a screen no rant. No response article. to that at all. Just going to move right along. No, there's okay. a screen rant. Uh, Twenty things you like learned about the making of.
1: How long did you spend reading that? Can we add that to the... Oh, no, yeah, you said no, reading was, before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, that, so that's still the seven and a half one. hours devoted to the, the movie. The book.
0: long one was the... Um, well, obviously, the Red Letter Media commentary track, which is an hour and a half. But then there was an oral history on Racket, which is apparently... Oh, right. Racket minute, is so.
1: local st- shit for me. Yeah. I So you, you read a free article. I have a yearly subscription to Racket.
0: Well, there's an oral history of... Uh, yeah. jingle all the way on racket that i read and that was pretty long that was the longest read i
1: think of that was did. pretty boring though wasn't it <laughs> yes but anyway so I, I, I read that ran. and was very excited that like a uh internet news website that i subscribed to had a thing about the movie i was going to do a podcast with and i assumed you would not see that apparently it comes up when you google it but then i read that whole thing and it was basically just like yeah it was cool fucking seeing these famous people here in the twin cities huh and it didn't do anything fun at all.
0: Yeah, it was so it was it was very much local Minnesota. It was a, a lot of like local Minnesota, Minneapolis, Saint Paul politicians bragging about how much business it brought in. Yeah, and it was good. We the gave city. them a
1: tax credit. They loved it.
0: And uh, the best things that I found from that article, um, I'm, just to go off on a tangent here, uh, <laughs> was at the end. <laughs> these are three consecutive block quotes. In that article, Brian Levant director, it destroyed my career. (laughs) And then he goes on to talk about, he had done Beethoven and the Flintstones. And then they did this one with a list celebrities and it sucked. And then Rita Wilson, this is the movie that haunts me. I know a lot of people love this movie. Why did my character not know that her husband, Howard, who talks like Arnold Schwarzenegger is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, was Turbo Man? Blah, 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 blah. It made me feel stupid. I didn't <laughs> like that. So, so the director says, this destroyed my career. Rita Wilson says, this movie haunts me. And then right after that, Sinbad says, it was fun. We had a good time doing the movie. We got a chance to do a lot of improv. So it was great. So I just like those back-to-back quotes. Just yeah, that's great. Destroyed me, haunts me. It was awesome. Um, and apparently, Arnold Schwarzenegger made twenty million dollars to make the movie. And the two stories from the person, the little person who played one of the elves, uh, I thought were very funny in that one. Uh, they wanted he, him to bite Arnold in the butt, and he didn't want to do that because he viewed little people as being disrespected in media and kind of portrayed as animalistic. And so he di- he asked if he could do something else, and so he tased him instead. And he was glad that they made that change. And also, he did such a good imitation of arnold uh he called over their friend uh, arnold's friend dunce and he did such a good job that he tricked dunce into thinking he was arnold and arnold thought it was hilarious i thought those two little tidbits were funny that's very funny
1: uh, uh it's out first off it sounds like a very collaborative workplace so that's a credit to the movie and then uh, also that was that's mickey from sign again whoever cast this clearly just had like knew about like who was good and funny. And then a lot of people who were cool got paid money for nothing roles that were not fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was, there's a lot, I think that that oral history talked kind of about how they had all those connections to Seinfeld and stuff, but also I think maybe the, the red letter media did too. I did not keep track. It was a little bit, uh, sure. you know, complicated web but yeah they had connections to people and so they got a lot of them. obviously uh chris columbus was the producer of this mm-hmm. and he was the director of mrs Dowfire and a bunch of other pits, and so and he still has a career unlike uh the director of this movie and so he had a lot of legitimate connections that probably is why there's all these snl and seinfeld people and stuff but anyway in the screenwriting thing is like 20 things to 20 facts about the making of this Phil Hartman made up his own backstory for his character about how he sued his employer for toner fumes. And, <laughs> and so he had this money, but wasn't working and blah, 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 blah. So that, but it was not at all official or part of the real story, but Phil Hartman had this head for his own character. That's what I wanted to bring up 10 minutes ago about Phil Hartman's character. There you go.
1: Um, one thing we could discuss briefly is the, just in general, the kid, is a terrible actor. He is a terrible do you, actor. Do you know? Was he in anything else?
0: Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you, Is this a genuine question? Do you not no, know? No, that was system?
1: a joke. Yeah. You kind of stepped on my joke when you mentioned uh, Jake Floyd earlier, but I still wanted to say uh, it is absurd that someone watched this movie and was like, you know what? He should be really big in some really big movies. He should be in... We know big he biggest, can't do anything. He stopped.
0: Biggest budget. Yeah, this was three years before Star Wars Episode One. And he was terrible in this. So terrible, I have a clip of how bad he was. Oh, One nice. Second, Yes, he, this was the line that stuck out to me uh, for how bad it was. Hello?
1: Jamie, how are you doing, old buddy?
0: Hi, Dad, I knew you'd call.
1: Hey, listen, let me talk to
0: your mother. I Just that line exactly. Hi, Dad, I knew you'd call. I thought that think- was... A- notably bad
1: that line though to me is more bad direction than bad acting because he's i think he's supposed to sound sarcastic like i knew you'd call and it's it's supposed to sound like he's excited but really he knows his dad is calling because uh he's he's calling to say i'm not going to be there but that is so much too much to ask of this kid like the like that is that is to, to say that not only are you going to read the line reasonably, but there's going to be like multiple levels to your read. He 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 can't do that. Not even close. What are you talking about?
0: So he's very bad at acting. He's also bad at acting in Star Wars. Did you did you follow what happened to him after Star Wars? Is a rather. Uh, he got tale. like
1: he like was online harassed so much that he quit acting forever and wanted to kill himself.
0: Yeah, and in 2015 he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and yeah. he got uh, like an reckless driving and served 11 months and he that must del- be
1: very reckless driving to get 11 yeah. months and he,
0: and he's like deliberately completely left the pub, uh, public eye he doesn't do any yeah. interviews isn't on social media this is a sad down and yet you're
1: gonna come on this podcast and shit on it. Oh, Yeah, oh. he sucked in this movie yeah. <laughs> how dare you
0: mm-hmm. oh 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 okay here's a, a small Bright spot. One of the things that made me laugh that did not make my top three. So there's at least four things that made me laugh in this movie. There's a scene where Sinbad and Arnold are in a diner. The One of the problems with this movie is the relationship between Sinbad and Arnold is very <laughs> unclear whether they are trying to be friends or enemies. They Sinbad tries to reconcile multiple times but then immediately resorts to violence right after that. Some of it extreme. Literally bombing... <laughs> police (laughs) with a mail bomb quasi-accidentally but threatening on purpose twice to bomb with a package bomb anyway they have a heart to heart and he talks about how he um was his life was screwed up because his parents didn't give him a gift and arnold uh realizes that it's actually very important that he gets this doll for his kid not that it wasn't important for the preceding like 45 minutes of this movie but uh then it cuts to a picture an image of the son dressed in the mailman outfit, drinking fr- straight from the bottle of booze. And he says, uh, here's to you, dad. And he takes a big glug and he, and that's where he's like, no, I can't let this happen. That part made me laugh too. When they cut straight to the kid drinking booze. That was yeah. Funny.
1: That's legitimately very funny when he just kind of morphs in there and takes over. Um, this is as good a time to admit this as any. I, I, all of my opinions about this movie are correct as they relate to me. I hold them sincerely. But as you know, this movie was shot in the uh, Twin Cities, in and around. And I, I said that like I started liking this movie about five years ago. I, I, a good portion of what I like about uh, this movie is that I recognize all the locations I've been in that diner like five times. Is that Mickey's? It's Mickey's Diner in St. Paul. It's like six blocks from where I first lived when I moved here.
0: I read about Mickey's. uh, And also, so... Brian Levant, the director, we tried to take advantage of unique things. The fact that we used Mickey's Diner, for example, which has the best malts I've ever had in my life. I went like eight times. The Hennepin Bridge, Nicolet Island, the house in Adina. I still have the Christmas card from the family. The card was them and Arnold standing in front of the house. The state theater, the little toy stores, the one in Linden Hills was bucolic. All we did was drop payphones. Then we went back to L.A. to shoot all our interiors in the parade, which was shot in Universal's lot. Originally, they wanted to shoot in Minneapolis, but you can't shut down a street for five weeks to shoot something. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So they loved it and they used a lot of spots. And I was wondering if possibly Minneapolis love yeah. was part of it uh, for you.
1: Um, it you is definitely heavily. a huge part of it. Uh, Mickey's Diner is fantastic. They have been closed since the start of COVID because it's so small. And they're like, you have to have some distancing. It's like, well, then we can have three people in here. This isn't going to work. But they are supposedly doing some renovations and going to open in the spring. Uh, But it's also a a fair amount of my enjoyment is like, I know if you live in New York or Los Angeles, you do this with like every movie, but it's very fun to watch this movie. And like when Arnold runs out of gas on the Hennepin Avenue bridge, he pushes his car to Mickey's Diner in St. Paul, which must be like 12 miles away. And so there's lots of stuff like that where they're just bouncing around. No, there's like none of those toy stores exist anymore, obviously uh the toy store they go to at the beginning is a candy shop i have been to now like the one where they run into chris parnell and get laughed at but there's a lot of stuff like that that i like and so absolutely that is uh a lot of my fun with this but also phil hartman really good every time on screen Phil Hartman was absolutely wasting
0: this movie. Um, they mentioned that this was like the biggest budget movie ever shot in Minneapolis. They were trying to encourage, for, a, for several years, they tried to entice uh, movies to be filmed in Minneapolis, and then that budget dried up. So it um, there weren't a lot of movies filmed in Minneapolis, and this was like kind of maybe the last really big one, and it was the biggest ever.
1: It seems like that's just the thing where like the states don't get that this doesn't really work and it just bounces around who's like right now Georgia's giving everybody all the money to come shoot stuff there and you do it for a while and you're like man we gave out all these tax credits and that ate up all the money we thought we were going to make. And so now in a few years some other state will be doing it Uh, suckers bet I think that giving Hollywood a bunch of money to come shoot a movie in your in your state.
0: Probably. I mean, generally, giving a rich industry or in billionaire money yeah. to entice them is always bad. Obviously, it comes up a lot with professional sports as well. It's just, yeah, there's it's, that. You know, works out.
1: We're always like, oh, yeah, come build your factory here. But then like, oh, we got fucking Foxcott in Wisconsin that creates eight jobs and it costs $30 billion. Great work.
0: Yep. Okay, since you're talking about real issues, what do you, how do you f- enjoy or appreciate or not this movie as far as just a consumerism critique? Do you think it is successful? Do you think it's over the top? Do you think it's too subtle? What do you think of just the whole uh, Black Friday sl- up to Christmas Eve shopping frenzy in America deal? Do, do you think that's successful?
1: I, I don't think it's successful. I think it's really a movie of its time, in that sense and also obviously it's a, a, a classic like doesn't work with cell phones movie and obviously eBay. nobody shops this way anymore and that, that just that line alone about oh yeah i bought I, you should have bought the doll two weeks ago it's like no if it was important you should have bought the doll six months ago or else you weren't gonna get it that's you never pre-ordered it within here.
0: the first three seconds yeah you had it you pre-order. had a three
1: you had a two and a half second window to pre-order and since you didn't get it you're gonna pay three thousand dollars for it on ebay or not get it but I also think that you wouldn't have a movie... Like, Do you think this r- really grapples with the idea of consumerism? I don't think it really has anything to say.
0: No, I don't think it does either. It, I think it, one of the big critiques of this movie, that people didn't like it, um, was that it kind of it it is just kind of dark and nasty about that stuff. It doesn't have anything to say. It doesn't successfully derive a lot of comedy out of it. It just is kind of uh cynical and unpleasant with that stuff without it's uh, successful yeah, commentary it's
1: cynical and it recognizes this stuff is bad but it doesn't actually say anything and like there's this tiny little twist at the end where the kid gives jamie gives sinbad the doll it's like great now sinbad's got a doll in prison that's gonna do him a lot of good um but like it, it's not nearly enough of a turn to say like i learned a lesson it's like well I re- I remember my dad was Arnold Schwarzenegger is what happened. He doesn't actually not want, he doesn't actually value you know, family over toys anymore. He, he still just wants that shit. So I don't think it actually does does anything with these ideas that it is, like you say, is very darkly talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Huh. Um, so what else about the general movie, I guess? Anything before we start really getting into it?
1: Uh. One of the things I think is really funny is that uh, it's very realistic initially in its portrayal of the Minneapolis police department and that the police officer delights in mocking Arnold and fucking up his day. But then it comes back and that guy just gets fucked up constantly. And I love to watch it happen.
0: And so two things about the things I read about that. Uh, one is they they combined them. They were just called the Twin Cities Police Department. They weren't the Saint Paul or the Minneapolis t- Police Department. And that guy
1: looked like a member of the Minneapolis Police Department to me.
0: And the, the the red letter media people, their critique was that that those scenes weren't successfully funny because they didn't make that guy cartoonishly evil enough. He was just a cop, literally doing his job and like totally legitimate enforcement no, no every way. time. Don't
1: agree. Don't agree at all.
0: And he. Arnold Arnold's character is terrible. Like he is a bad He person yanks Arnold out of the car of and things. makes him do
1: a DUI test for no reason. Just just to trouble him. And then he makes him do the alphabet backwards after he passes the test. He is just trying to fuck him up. That's what the cops do. I'm glad he got burned with the coffee and his all his fingers smashed or whatever.
0: <laughs> I agree that he was deliberately aggravating in the first encounter, but a, Arnold was like, uh, he, he he just, one of the many decisions where Arnold sucked. And he's just like, there's traffic. I will just drive on the shoulder around all of the traffic and I will make it in time uh, to my kid's karate belt ceremony. And it's a karate
1: class, even though it's clearly not a class and it's just a belt ceremony.
0: Yeah. Um, that was
1: truly bizarre.
0: And so, yeah, the cop gives him a hard time. He... I think, yeah,
1: like there was like, I a, would say he tries to frame him for DUI, even though he knows it's not legitimate.
0: I don't think that and also, especially
1: he picked out a guy with an Austrian accent and said, <laughs> do the alphabet backwards. He,
0: uh, I think he, get, he, he was pissed off at Arnold because Arnold was like, Hey man, I'm in a hurry. And he's like, Oh, that's too bad. And so then he gave him a hard time. I don't think he's actually trying to frame him with any crime. Um, but then Arnold, so Arnold's. Made a terrible decision to go in the shoulder. That's a sucky thing to do. Giving the cop a hard time is a bad idea. And then he lied to his wife and said he got a speeding ticket. That, he that not was a
1: speeding ticket. It's also the lie makes it worse for him. Yeah, say all like I. They fucking dragged me out of the car and made me do the DUI test. That's why it took so long. If it had just been a speeding ticket, he might have made it. Although I really do enjoy that not only does Arnold not make it, he gets there and everyone is gone and the lights are off and they're sweeping the floor. He missed this. He missed the karate class by like an hour. He was so not close. He was probably wasn't going to make it anyway. One of my complaints that is not bad enough
0: to make the bottom three and actually specifically is the reason that I rewatched the movie almost two more times was the audible Narration by Arnold to himself of the very obvious actions that he's doing on the screen because they assume that the audience is an idiot. Um, because this is a movie for idiots, and so the first times that they do it are with the karate class/slash belt ceremony. He says, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it talking to himself while he's driving and then obviously gets pulled over and then he gets into this thing. And then everything is, as you said, like the gymnasium is empty. The chairs are like halfway folded and strewn about. And he says, I didn't make it. (laughs) And and so it was supposed to be funny, but it was stupid. Then those, that was the most defensible use of that because it's just a comedic thing to like repeat something. And then to like say the obvious thing, but the two times that it was clearly literally just to explain to stupid people, what was happening was one in the mall scene, the the third-ish mall scene or whatever, when they're trying to get the lottery balls to possibly be entitled to pay double price for the Turbo Man action figure. And there's a brawl, and everyone's reaching for the balls. And Sinbad pulls out Mace and Maces him in the face. He goes, he maced me! Completely needless. Like show, don't tell, but then he just, they showed and told because they think you're dumb. And then the last time was the least defensible when, uh, he was going to, uh, I forget if it was before or after he stole the doll from Phil Hartman's house, but it was, it was in that scene when he went in, he broke into Phil Hartman's house again, just terrible decision after terrible decision. He's an awful person. Broke into Phil Hartman's house to steal the doll that he purchased months ago for my son, Johnny um and he there's there's carolers out front and he doesn't want to get seen and so he goes the back door and he crouches down and goes like try to under the window and goes out the back door i really hated it every time that they just needlessly had him talk to himself and explain to the audience what was happening on the screen
1: i have more to say about it so i don't think it's totally wrecking it but the uh, reindeer slash home invasion scene is definitely in my bottom three. Oh, it's so bad. Doesn't Everything work at all. And it also, like, at, like, even without getting into him, like, the back door, like an idiot, he is so preposterously stupid in that sequence. Yes. Like, he is ostensibly a smart guy, a successful businessman, all these things. Jesus Christ is he operating at like a childlike base level when he's like, I know where there's one. Oops, I started a fire. Oops, I don't know to drop the th- like, get out of the fucking house, bro. This is not that difficult. What are you doing? Lighting the house on fire while you're wandering around in there. Yes, uh, before I agree we get, the ranger stuff sucked. That's that's terrible. Before we get too far ahead, I did have a pre prepared line I'd like to read. Excellent. I'm pleased too. Uh, this is in relation to the cop. Yes. cab. all cops are burned by coffee.
0: <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh,
1: I, I, that was too good. I, could, I couldn't let that slide.
0: He had bandages on his hands later in the movie. That was, was a fucked callback. Up. Uh, the, another very tiny scene that made me laugh that did not make my top three, so there's at least five times that I chuckled, was when Arnold knocked over his motorcycle the second time they <laughs> yeah. met. And he said... You broke my little mirror. And
1: just the way he delivered the line. It's a really good read of that line. Isn't yeah. It? That was pretty funny. Like, and and especially like just looking at that script, like, you're like, well, we should clean this. You broke my little mirror. That's stupid. But then the way he delivers it is is great. I don't know if that's something he came up with or if it, they changed the line to because he had such a cute little. You broke my little mirror, but it it works really well. Maybe yeah,
0: maybe that's what they were going for with Arnold narrating what was obviously happening on but this But Arnold isn't... is just not capable of that. Exactly.
1: You, you can't ask that of him. Yeah. What's the well, I don't remember what that act the cop actor's name is, but he's he's very good.
0: Oh man, I I had it, but I don't have
1: it. He's depth. a famous old-timey TV guy or something, but I don't He's
0: in the uh that Minneapolis article. Uh...
1: Yeah, I don't I don't remember who he is and I didn't really know him. Robert something?
0: Robert Conrad.
1: Robert Conrad. There it is. Robert Conrad,
0: who played Arnold's cop foil circa 96. I go to Byerly's where I shop. I wear my disguise, a cap I wear backwards, and they go, Hi, Bob! Okay, so so much for that disguise. Minnesotans have been been pleasant. Uh, They've kind of taken me in. Know what I'm doing today? Hopping on my motorcycle, practicing for tomorrow night. I chase Arnold for the first time and catch him. I've been practicing because I'm a horse guy and a car guy, but I'm not a motorcycle person. Here's the funniest thing that happened to me. This is straight up. I'm practicing on the motorcycle. I have to put my costume on because I wanted to familiarize myself with a heavy jacket. I was right near that little yuppie area where they shot. Real pretty. Where they put all the snow. Anyway, I hit a stop sign. There's a woman. Four kids. She says, officer. I said, yes. She said, can we go to the filming? I said, I don't see why not. You're a taxpayer, a taxpayer and they're on taxpayer property. And she, she went... Who's in the movie? I said, Arnold, Robert Conrad, and Sinbad. But talk to Robert Conrad. He's the nicest of the three. She said, thank you, officer. Then I roared away.
1: It sounds like Robert Conrad isn't getting enough people like calling to talk to him. Like He's got an <laughs> awful lot to say if you ask him one question. Yeah. I thought that was cute. That is cute. So other things in this movie. Let's see here. Hey, can I give you a line I think is really funny that's actually delivered by Jake Lloyd? Yes. And he, 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 it's not, he, it's not, it's still not a good delivery, but he does it well enough for it to work. Uh, it's on Christmas Eve morning, and Arnold is leaving to go get the Turbo Man doll. And then Jake Lloyd says, You can't miss the parade. We always go, Well, me and mom do. I, I, I laughed at that. I thought it was very funny when he recognized, Oh, actually, Arnold never shows up. This is a family tradition that is only me and mom because I have a, borderline non-existent father
0: that is a line i would not agree that it is funny line i think it's funny do you know did you see uh what roger ebert gave this movie i have no idea okay then take a guess
1: i will guess two stars
0: extremely close two and a half he kind of liked this movie He thought that a lot of it worked. He just, he specifically didn't like the like cynicism and darkness. Uh,
1: Does, does he do out of four out of five? Do you remember? Do you know?
0: I think he does four.
1: Okay. I think a two and a half for a Christmas movie is a four for a Christmas movie. That's it. That's, that's as good as you can hope.
0: Yeah. He really, he liked the end of the movie a lot. He liked some of the jokes he just didn't like the overall, um, you know, cynicism, darkness, cynicism, darkness. Yeah. Just like, yeah. So I was surprised that was, you know, this relatively positive review. You know what? The people making this movie thought that they made a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> so Brian Levant is the director and, uh, Chris Columbus still active in the industry was the producer And they thought that they were making some excellent stuff. Here we go. I'm going to have a couple of clips here. Our producer, Chris Columbus, the director of Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months, Adventures in Babysitting, and of course the whole. Is the, home the director talking films. about
1: Christmas? I love you. Oh, I love you too. And I are very much in tune with each other in our beliefs in what constitutes proper family entertainment. And that's just not entertaining the kids.
0: And who cares about the parents? We 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 feel that we like to create entertainment that can be enjoyed by the whole family on many levels.
1: You want a terrible man for Christmas? To sit in your Tony, show.
0: I think this is not a successful movie to entertain the whole family. Is that was that
1: levels. line at the end there meant to end it? Like, look how funny this movie is. Yeah. This one stupid line that sucks.
0: Yeah, I think that right. they were saying that uh this is an example of how this is for everyone because he joked about not sitting in Santa's lap. They also joked about not being a pedophile multiple times, and that's very funny for everyone. <laughs> And then this is... What I'm not the
1: power of art!
0: Uh, uh-huh. And they said, yeah. And here is um, what Arnold thought about this movie. This is the best one I thought.
1: Out of the theater and says, I am so angry that I can't get another ticket right away because I want to see you the second time. And there's a long line here. This sounds like you, Pat.
0: People are. You watch it again right away. He wants people leaving the theater to be angry because they can't see it again right away. Because how long did it take you to watch it a second time? I didn't watch it a second time ever. I just (laughs) sort of close, got close to it. You you
1: snuck into another screening and you missed the first fifteen minutes, but it was still fine.
0: Also, I learned in that, uh, that's from the 1998 HBO making of documentary, I guess when it was, so the movie was released in 96. So I think this is when it was coming to HBO for the first time. Um, and there's a clip about how Brian Levant, the director always carried around a volleyball and was constantly like hitting it between his fists and doing sets, like setting the ball to himself, just constantly on set (laughs) playing with a volleyball. And he thought it was so great that You know, when you're working on a movie, there's high ceilings and you have all this room to do this. Obviously, a person who is taking his craft very seriously.
1: A volleyball is such a a crazy choice. Like you can kind of envision, like, oh, you know, so and so has a baseball glove and he fires the baseball into his mitt, or he dribbles a basketball. A volleyball is so much more than those things. Takes up so much more space. So much easier to like fuck up and like, oh, fucking Brian hit, hit hit that that the key grip with the volleyball again, now he's pissed. Uh, not a good idea.
0: Yeah. I feel like there, that. How many times a day must he have had an errant hit where if he's doing it constantly, there's no way that he had enough accuracy that it wasn't constantly a problem. Yeah. Side.
1: That, that, that is a, a really, really dumb idea.
0: Here, uh, go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, here's one extremely small complaint. This is not bad enough to make the bottom three. Talking again about how the movie was obviously cut down to smithereens, I, this was not mentioned, surprisingly, in the Red Letter Media commentary track. Wasn't it very clearly foreshadowing when um, on Christmas Eve, Arnold is getting in the car, lied to his wife yet again, saying he has to go to the office to pick up the doll because he already bought it weeks ago, um, but he's actually going out shopping. So then Phil Hartman, neighbor Ted, comes by, he tells him.
1: Oh, the, the, it's going to be the snow, right? The snow exactly.
0: He said, yeah. it might get icy later. Better put on your chains. And he's like, yeah, I'll chain you up. It's like really violent uh, threat under his breath as he drove away. But it seemed like they were clearly foreshadowing that something was going to happen with ice and nothing. It Just nothing happened. I feel like that obviously was cut from the movie.
1: I initially started there. Because I I have a note in my I have a note here as well about how weird that line is, Be- but eventually I decided it's just bad screenwriting. Because I gotta tell you, I live in the Twin Cities. It, 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 it's it's still a city. You don't have to put snow chains on your car to drive from Edina to fucking downtown Minneapolis or Saint Paul or whatever.
0: Hey, guess I, what? What's the, that? The uh, the racket. Um which the beloved Minnesota news site, uh, the screenplay screenwriter was interviewed for that. And he said that he had never been to Minneapolis when he wrote this screenplay. (laughs)
1: Well, it it might be some of that too. I think it's mostly just a, I should wrap some chains around you. Someone, he decided that was such a good line. He had to incorporate it. Uh, But yeah we don't we don't we don't use snow chains on city roads and it's still a city here uh and the maybe i should wrap some chains around you it's a little funny to me but it's not good enough oh, to justify as you say what he says not funny uh, i think i think arnold saying that under his breath and then phil hartman can't hear him as he drives away is a little funny but uh it it, it doesn't it doesn't like you say it really implies like we have a ticking clock. That now, like everybody's got to be home by some time, because the storm's coming and that's going to change everything. And that—that's—that's that's not the case. There's, it's never going to come up again. Winter weather at all? We're going to have a bright, sunshiny day the entire day without exception.
0: They filmed it in like, like springtime in with the Minneapolis parts. Um, that's right, why there's all that snow on the ground. It's obviously. Way too nice most of the time. They have a Christmas Eve parade. uh They call it Wintertainment. And it's like a big parade in Minneapolis outside on Christmas Eve, which seemed like it definitely would be impossible to actually do. People would die every day. Uh, no, we, that
1: there, there are small parades. I, I, Holodazzle was last weekend. We have, we have big outdoor events. Wow. We, that sounds surprisingly everybody just deals like
0: entertainment
1: Yeah. But there's not a giant parade. And also, like you say, it's not, certainly not so big that you could, uh, uh, shut down the streets and you know use that. So I mean they they, they couldn't just do it here, but there's there's definitely outdoor stuff at uh, all times of here. People here are insane. I, I don't go to that stuff because it's too cold. But people, some people here like the cold.
0: Does your defense of this movie extend to Sinbad's character? What do you think of Sinbad? Yeah,
1: Sinbad is Sinbad in every scene is either very funny. Or very problematic, and sometimes both. I wish he would not shout about certain issues that he shouts about so often.
0: Okay, bottom three, you got there. Uh, t- particularly, two kind of weird racial jokes by Sinbad.
1: Is it Rodney uh, King?
0: Rodney King. He's getting. Should he's not getting shout a t- Rodney King. He's getting, this is 1996, and he's getting uh, dogpiled in a mall because Arnold lied and said that he had two of the lottery balls. He illicitly had one lottery ball because he stole it from Arnold after amazing him, so he shouldn't have had the one that he had, but he did not have two. He starts getting beat up, and he yells,
1: Rodney King. That's rough. Can I guess the other one? Sure. Is it when they're at the radio station? And he tells him not to hit him because he's got sickle cell. Yep, that's the other one.
0: <laughs> Yikes, man! <laughs> uh, it may surprise you. It may surprise you to learn that Sinbad uh, improvised a lot of his lines in this movie. Oh,
1: there you go. Yeah, uh, that's how you get sickle cell jokes in your movie. Call yeah. Sinbad and tell him to come improvise.
0: That was rough. Uh, I did not think he was funny. He was yelling a lot of... he Again, also, he just made no sense. Like, I think if he was, like, consistently wacky in one direction or the other, perhaps he could have been more entertaining. But I was... I did not enjoy um, his character. I just didn't think it was funny. Like, the first time that you see him he goes on to a mini rant about how it's like psychological warfare trying to get your children to be obsessed with these things and i know because i took like one semester of junior funny. college that was not funny that was what, that was bad i thought and he said uh, he
1: he knows about this stuff cuz he went to one semester of junior college and he studied psychology
0: yep funny uh so i'm on so i'm right i'm in there i think he said uh i like i thought it was very funny that he they obviously could not get permission from the postal service to wear a real postal service uniform. (laughs) It's it's a real weird logo on there that kind of looks like the postal service logo, or like maybe it looked like what it looked like in the forties or something. Definitely not the postal service logo from the nineties. Um, but yeah, one one of my bottom things are the, uh, rough at the time, but aged terribly kind of racial jokes as Sinbad makes just offhand going for a laugh, uh, with Rodney King and sickle cell anemia. That's, that was rough.
1: I'm going to burn one of my top three here. All right. I, it's, because it's immediately before. My number three of the top three, though, right around where he says the sickle cell line, which is bad. I think it's extremely funny. Sinbad is at the radio station. He's explaining. He's, he's apologizing because he just did the fake bomb. And he says, I've been under a lot of pressure since... The zip, zip plus, plus four, four thing. That's extremely funny. That He's like, I'm a mailman. This zip plus four is fucking me up. I'm pretending to have bombs now.
0: <laughs> I, I noted that it was a joke, <laughs> but I did not think it I was thought funny. I think that's very funny.
1: Uh, I, lo- I love the specificity there.
0: I will burn my broadest... Well, no. The, obviously, the one that you're going to have most problem with is we're talking about Phil Harmon. I'll get to that later. The biggest categorical problem I have with his movie is like... I think none of the physical comedy was funny and it is constant. It is nonstop pratfalls and slapstick and it was all terrible. This includes the RC car taking Sid Band down and him falling and the letters falling, fluttering over him, Arnold hitting the cutout of uh turbo man and then kind of trying to play it off fighting over and choking on the lottery balls. The moms hitting him with their purses, the Santa fight, we haven't even talked about the mall Santa. All of that was terrible. The phone booth fight, uh, the cop running into the bus and falling down. The two different times the Sinbad threatened to have a bomb. One of the times, coincidentally, it was a real bomb and then it's it goes off and it's like super cartoon. Like The only thing that is like a true cartoon in this movie was the after effect of a small bomb that would have murdered like a dozen police officers. They just kind of have like soot and smoke. Um, And, and very noticeably the reindeer stuff that you already mentioned, the reindeer wasn't funny ever. It attacked Arnold and that wasn't funny. Arnold punched it in the face, just full force. I was going to say,
1: you said the only thing that's like a cartoon. And then two minutes later, Arnold punches a reindeer in the face and then they drink a beer together. I think he was. That's very cartoonish and bad. The end result uh,
0: was certainly that he probably murdered that that reindeer by giving it beer. Is my, my but also assumption. all those
1: cops exploded. I mean, that's just yeah. Those cops are. That dead, was a man. huge like it was shaking Arnold on the ground, like half a block away from the building. Like that was bad. Uh, I do disagree. I think the the bomb bit is really funny. Uh, the, the way that he he is just throwing that around and then accidentally has it work. That, that, that joke works for me very well. And then especially how mad he gets. He's like, it's a sick world when like he is the one throwing supposed bombs at people. But he's also mad that people are sending bombs out there. I, I think that, that joke is, is a okay with me. I laughed. I believe that line was improv. I believe that was one of the ones that was mentioned. Today. I, I, I boy, I think I agree that Sinprov Simpro, would be another great name for him because he's so good at improv and he's quite sinful. But uh, I, th- I do think Sinbad improvised that, and I think it was very funny.
0: I will uh, give a compliment sandwich, and I will give one of—I'll give two of my l- highlights because I've said two of the negative things. Uh, an extremely small one was the only thing that was good about the Mall Santa detour um was that one of the when there's a going through so uh a mall Santa played by Jim Belushi terribly says that they have a ill gotten Turbo Man that they're that they can sell him and just follow us. So then he agrees and they go to this warehouse and there's all these mall santas and it's an underground ring selling either stolen or fake merchandise. Uh but real quick, there's an elf looking at a dirty magazine and it's called Mischief
1: Magazine. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I, I will acknowledge my number one in the bottom three is everything involving Jim Belushi. It is awful. It doesn't make any sense. It's not funny. The way it concludes isn't funny and doesn't make any sense uh, like I know I'm I, I guess if I'm going to brag about how short this movie is great news cut all that and it's even shorter uh, there's there's nothing there that's any good at all
0: yeah it was terrible the, another small all of my top three are just very small things that made me laugh
1: can I guess one of your top three
0: yeah I bet we get one of them yeah
1: Sonic no <laughs>
0: just the appearance of Sonic. I thought Sonic is go- on
1: screen for like 2 seconds. I was like, "Oh boy, Pat's going to love
0: this." Uh, and there's this boomerang. Pl- it plays prominently. I figured you're going to give me a hard time about both Sonic and Oh, boomerang. I
1: forgot. Yeah, boomerang is a good call too. Oh, there's a not a very realistic portrayal of the boomerang. I wrote that. Although down. I mean, it's obviously a very special boomerang. It's got magic or technology, or it's, it, but it's not the kind of boomerang you might throw. And also,
0: he's expert mean. at it first try. Um, there's, I liked, I I did write down that Sonic was in it. Um, I just liked all of the very '90s references. There's the Tick. There were yep. Cabbage Patch Kids. Um, there was a bunch of like other toys in the store. I forget some of the other. Uh, ones, but there were a lot of really good '90s toys and things in the uh, the parade. I thought that was funny, but one of them was at the parade. Uh, so the conclusion of the movie that is that is arguably strong. It's definitely where there's actually some plot for the first time in the movie, other than just a sequence of pratfalls. Um, so Arnold decide he goes he's going and he backs himself into uh, the backstage area of the parade and they uh, mistake him for the person who's filling in for turbo man. And so he starts putting on the turbo man suit and uh, there's like an undescribed terrible accident with the previous yeah. turbo man. And this made me laugh the hardest in the whole movie. Uh, they said, Pete's actually showed some brain activity this morning. So that's good. And <laughs> that was very funny. So, cause there's a functional, high-velocity jetpack on this Minneapolis Christmas Eve parade superhero outfit. They have the technology to shoot discs out of his wrist, a crazy boomerang, and a functional jetpack that they give him a three-second crash course on how to operate, um but the line about uh, Pete showing brain activity was pretty funny to me.
1: Yeah. I think that sequence is frustrating because it's so stupid and, and, but also that, that line at the end, very funny. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense that this stuff exists. It also, who the fuck is Pete that he's the same size as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Who is this giant? They got in there that was wearing this suit before. Uh, but I, I I, I like that last line. I generally do not like all of the parade stuff.
0: So a lot of people, including Red Letter Media and uh, Roger Ebert, liked the end of the movie. (laughs) I thought that was like some of the strongest bits. Uh, Yeah, as as to your point about the random dude Pete being exactly Arnold's size, they they did an actual casting of Arnold's body to make the suit, and it took like... Ten hours of like plaster casting. I stuff. would think, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was it was extremely custom for his body. Also, I don't know if it was just for Sinbad or if it was for both Sinbad and uh, Arnold. Oh yeah, Sinbad dressed up as the bad guy. He just again completely out
1: of his mind criminal constantly in this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he just attacks. he is he
1: is an evil person at the end <laughs> yeah. here. Like he he's just, like it's okay to fuck with Arnold, but what you are doing now is so absurd. Like, you're gonna get the death penalty, buddy. Good luck.
0: He attacks the person who is going to dress up as the bad guy, which is what is it, Dementor
1: is it called? Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Uh, and takes his outfit so that he can attack Turbo Man and steal the special edition Turbo Man doll that the live action Turbo Man was gonna to distribute to one of the children in the parade route. And so he just dresses up as the Dementor Also perfectly fitting suit. Yeah. And a text. It's
1: like 6'5 and a big dude. Yeah. Like, these are enormous people fighting.
0: And they they have a huge fight. It's it's unclear if the crowd thinks this is just for entertainment or if it's actually happening. Rita Wilson thinks
1: it is, and she's fucking the parent of one of the people and the husband of one of the others.
0: Yeah. Uh, Makes no sense. And so anyway, either... It was definitely for Sinbad, but it might have been for both of them. But those they filmed this on a back lot in L.A. because they could not shut down downtown Minneapolis for so long, and so it was like a hundred degrees outside, and people <laughs> were wearing winter coats pretending they were in Minneapolis oh. on New Year's Eve. I mean, on Christmas Eve, and those suits were hot. They had like a custom like liquid cooling thing vest for the outfit, like it was like a like a gaming PC, uh, and the liquid in Sinbad they claimed on um uh screen rant i cannot believe this to be true they claimed on screen rant that the water in sinbad's helmet boiled because it was so hot that's 212 no, degrees no 212 no. degrees he would be dead. these are lies his body would be cooked but i'm but he like there were like heat like people had heat exhaustion problems because they were dressed for winter sure. um but anyway those that sound like hell on earth um I thought that the effects for the uh, jetpack were atrociously bad. They were very proud of them in the documentary. They said that they had, they did a lot of it. I was surprised to learn they did a lot of it with wires with actual buildings. And they said that it would go 25 to 28 miles per hour. Uh, And there was like, they also had a special rigging with a guy behind them also on the wires so that they could have a good steady shot of it while it's going around. So they did this extremely complicated stuff, but then they did a bunch of blue screen stuff, and I thought it looked so fake and bad. Um, Roger Ebert thought it was really well done, but that was in 1996, I guess. Yeah. Standards are so low.
1: I agree that it doesn't look good. Uh, A lot of it reminded me of, especially like there's certain scenes where like Arnold is flying at the camera or whatever, that reminded me of almost like lesser versions of, stuff from Total Recall that didn't age well. But yeah. now this is like several years down the line and still a big budget movie and it's just worse than that. Uh, yeah, I I, I I don't like that. Now, there are a couple of things from that end there that I do like. When Sinbad comes out and the crowd starts booing and he does the up yours symbol at the crowd of children and families. <laughs> Funny. I like that. Um, uh, I, I, so
0: in that Rita Wilson um, quote that i read earlier she like one of the obvious flaws is that no one neither his son nor his wife recognize him immediately as this giant man in a superhero outfit where his face is largely exposed and then he's speaking they they tried i think to write into it they said well there's a voice modulator yeah they they, so they do sound. say there's
1: a voice modulator but, but
0: the voice it's not modulator. an accent
1: modulator.
0: Yeah, he sounds exactly like Arnold, and specifically he sounds exactly like Arnold playing Mr. Freeze. It's like <laughs> a little bit modified Arnold, but it's exactly immediately recognizable and, and obviously a joke that they wouldn't wouldn't realize it was their father slash husband.
1: It's very related to that. I have a note that Rita Wilson is like, as far as I can tell, only horny for Arnold when he is Turbo Man. When he comes down with the doll, and she finally realizes, like she's like Howard, Howard, and she's like, so that's just what your husband always looks like. Yeah, Sue didn't make him look better. That's him. You married Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is Mr. Why do you give a shit about Turbo Man costumes? Yeah, I I thought that was funny as well. She's Uh, very excited.
0: Yep, yep. Um, I think that that kind of oh the marching band i thought was hilariously bad and this is true this is not an excuse to crap on this institution but i thought it was it was like literally like a 20 piece marching band in this yeah. parade like it was obviously just they didn't have enough people to do it but it was a very sad pathetic marching band and i noted that i said quote while i was writing while i was watching the very first time it was like a 20 piece marching band sad i wrote that down and then i learned in uh the screen rant factoids that the marching band was from UCLA. So UCLA marching band sucks. And that's satisfying to learn that that is a perfect circle of suck.
1: I'm going to guess that's not the UCLA marching band as much as it is 20 people from UCLA. Yeah. It's not the,
0: well, I bet, I bet it's 20 people from the marching band. I bet it's not random 20 people, but it's not the full marching band. Obviously,
1: Uh, I went to school at a high school. When I graduated, there were, uh, uh, high school there were 18 people in my class and there were 85 people in the high school and we had like 45 people in the marching band <laughs> we blew the, we blew those idiots away
0: yeah um how many highs and lows do you have left to talk about
1: um you want to talk about phil
0: hartman i assume
1: see.
0: i think we're gonna uh, my number a one
1: my number one high is uh how fucking good phil hartman is in general but i think especially the uh the cookie scene
0: all right, uh, let's let's get to it then. I'm gonna I'm gonna we'll talk about Phil Hartman. Uh, but here is the aforementioned cookie scene.
1: Merry Christmas, Langston residents. Hi, I... Ted. Howard, hey buddy, how's it going out there? Everything okay? Yeah, fine. Uh, Ted, I need to speak to Liz. Uh, could you get? Mm. Oh, <laughs> Howard, excuse me, but your wife's cookies are out of this world. What a <laughs> Who told you you can eat my cookies? I'm just helping Liz out a little in the kitchen. She's making up a storm here. Ted, I need to speak to my wife. So could you get her on the phone, please? I think she's in the shower, Howard. Do you want me to go check? No! I mean, no, that's fine. On your way out, just tell her we'll be a few minutes late, but she shouldn't worry. Oh, she won't worry. I mean, I'm here, and mm. oh, these cookies. I got to get the recipe from Liz. Put that cookie down! Now! Howard, is there something bothering you? Because this time of year, there's a very high incidence of stress-related breakdowns. Oops! There's the next batch. Gotta go, Howard. I'll give Liz your message, though. Bye-bye. Yep. There you go. That's. The I love thing. it. I think that's really funny. I love his orgasmic reaction to the cookies. I think he is a perfect foil for the Arnold character, who is a dad who wants to be good, but prevents himself from being good by working too much and not prioritizing the right things.
0: I will, I will do a, another compliment sandwich here. I will, I'll start with a related thing. That was my last joke that made me laugh out loud. So there are a lot of jokes that are very similar to the one where he said, she's in the shower. You want me to go check? And he's like, no, um, The same phone call where uh, the son says, Dad, I knew you'd call! And it was the worst delivery of a line. Um, He asks where his wife is in that one. And the son says, She's next door, petting Ted. (laughs) And and that's funny, because that's a funny thing for him to say. uh, And I laughed. Because the son, Johnny, named the reindeer Ted after Ted, his dad. So... The son said that she's petting Ted, the reindeer, but he misunderstood it to be Ted, the next door neighbor who he hates. That was the last good point. Um, So I think this is a terrible use of Phil Hartman. I love Phil Hartman so much. I love him in SNL. I love him in The Simpsons. I love him in tons of things. What else Uh,
1: do you like Phil Hartman in? Do you like news radio? I I like him in news radio. Do you think this is really that different a character than Bill McNeil? I think it is much worse. I think
0: here's my problem with the casting. I think, by the way, he originally read for the Sinbad role, and they decided to move him into the Ted. I think that was a great choice. I just think he is not uh, the right kind of annoying jerk. I think he, I think he is more of a funny straight man like the dad on the Chris Farley sketch. Um, I think. I just don't think that he is good at being the annoying Weasley jerk character. That's Bill
1: McNeil, though. Bill McNeil is is exclusively not the straight man and is the annoying jerk who everyone hates and is being a real creep to all the ladies in the office. You can debate how well that is aged uh, as you wish.
0: I have not rewatched it in a very long time. I did like News Radio when it was on, and I liked Phil Hartman in it. I liked a lot of the cast. Um, I have rewatched
1: watched News Radio in the last couple years here, and I still really like it, but I really think this is a very Bill McNeil character.
0: I, so in my mind, I want someone who is way more annoying. I think he... he, Like, he's the bad guy, right? Sinbad and him are the bad guys of the movie, and the cop, I guess. Um, and... I think he needed to go further with how annoying and insufferable he was. He was, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, I think he like was trying to come across as uh, charming and nice and helpful. He before that phone call scene, he was talking about exactly how to bake the cookies, and he already knew it. Uh, he 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 hung Christmas lights for Arnold because he wanted everyone to have Christmas cheer that sort of thing. So he's like, he put the star
1: on Arnold's tree.
0: That was, that was one of the things that brought Arnold to his breaking point. That's his job. And that was also one of the times probably where Rita Wilson wanted to draw the line and say, no, that's, that's what Howard does. Anyway, I think he needed to be more annoying, more insufferable, just like a villain, uh, like funny, funny, but a villain. And so to me, and especially of this era, I'm thinking more like Steve Martin or, Bill Murray or the way that Rick Moranis is in Ghostbusters where he's like the annoying account, the tax guy. I, I want someone who is just constantly an annoying dweeb, not someone who is like more subtly bad until the very end where he literally assaults Reed Wilson. I think that
1: your example of, uh, Phil Hartman in the motivational speaker sketches, the dad, that's and that's that's Phil Hartman just like slotting into a background role. And he's good at that. But I think when it comes time for Phil Hartman to do his his main thing, I I, I do think this is it. I think that he's doing what he's good at. He's being the smarmiest smarm, whoever smarmed. And I may I don't know. Maybe you just identify with how he acts and you think that that's good. <laughs> and so uh, you don't recognize how outrageous his behavior is throughout the movie i i don't i think that upping how crazy his character is would only be detrimental
0: i did not think he was funny i think he's funny in everything else i don't think he's funny in this so
1: you like small soldiers
0: i haven't seen small soldiers i i I think i saw small soldiers when it came out but
1: i haven't seen it since then i in fact did not know that this i i was thinking about it and i was like this is right around when he died and then i looked up his page and saw that this was his next to last movie. Uh, I could not have told you he was in small soldiers uh, before I saw that though. Yeah. Sorry um, that
0: I didn't like Phil Hartman in this movie. Didn't think it was funny. Didn't think Sinbad was funny. thought that about five lines were funny.
1: Uh, we've been through all my stuff, but just to revisit quickly, my top three, uh, one, Phil Hartman in general, but especially the cookie scene, two, uh, member of the minneapolis de- police department getting fucked up <laughs> three sinbad in general but especially i've been under a lot of pressure since the zip plus four thing mm-hmm. and then bottom three number one with a fucking bullet jim belushi and everything around him and then reindeer scene and then honestly in general the the parade slash action finale does not especially work for me there's still some fun stuff in there but to me if if you cropped out that little stupid intro thing at the beginning and the uh parade at the end you've got a really fun probably what 50 minute <laughs> traipsing around looking at dolls going to radio stations wacky adventure that could be on tv with you know commercials and fit in an hour block
0: all right. Uh, so my top three were um, Pete's actually shown some brain activity this morning. Yep, She's Next Door good. Petting Ted and Mischief Magazine. And my bottom three were all of the physical comedy, the two racial jokes that Sidbad improved, and, in my view, a, a, a waste of Phil Hartman and not being funny. Um, the last category is, is uh, kind of... Self-evident in this case, but but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. How Christmassy is this movie on a scale of one to ten? Santa slays.
1: I'm going to have to give this movie ten Santa slays. It is a, everything yeah, about this movie is Christmas.
0: It is extremely Christmas. It is it is jingle all the way. Uh, I I think it has to be a nine, a nine or a ten. I guess I'll give it a ten. Uh, it, coincidentally, this movie about an impossible to obtain toy came out the year that the Tickle Me Elmo craze occurred. Um, and it was obviously Tickle Me Elmo was not an inspiration for the plot because it was made before that. Um, it was probably inspired by Cabbage Patch Kids and Power Rangers. Um, but I thought it was very convenient timing that tickle me, Elmo happened, and it, yet it still bombed at the box office initially. I was just gonna
1: say, did this movie do poorly? I don't, I don't, I don't know anything.
0: It didn't do well. It it definitely did poorly domestically. It eventually made a little bit of money. The that article, uh, from the Minnesota um website, the racket. Really, the the spin from the racket was that it really became a cult classic and beloved by all, and it did kind of uh, redeem itself over the following 25 years after it came out and now people love it i would argue that it's not really fully the case that people love it it certainly has a following um and i think it made its money back like one of the last things in the interview the director said it was like so bad like he has a letter from sony saying like we're not even going to like track profits because it's never going to make a profit, so you're not getting any points <laughs> off of this. So like, there's a letter saying like there will be no tracking because we will not make they
1: profit. They should just do that every time. That's right? like a good way to steal from the director.
0: Oh, sorry. It was Fox, uh, not Sony. Um, about 1997, I think I got a letter from Fox saying they were not going to bother issuing profit statements because there were, weren't ever going to be any that's okay. It's more important that people love it. That means uh, that it means something to them. It's become a part of the nation's consciousness and a holiday tradition. I couldn't be happier. Um, yeah. So, according to the extremely biased uh, Minneapolis media, it really is a hit. Uh, one of the most positive reviews um, <laughs> was uh, from the local Minneapolis uh specifically the i forget uh jeff strickler wrote a review saying jingle all the way is the antidote to feeling minnesota and fargo the locally filmed action comedy quickly banishes all those negative images of the twin cities as a place of kidnappers murderers rogues and thugs That is not my view of Minneapolis. Our new image couldn't be more flattering if it had been suggested by the Chamber of Commerce. People in the rest of the country may get a couple of laughs and a few smiles from this film, but in Minnesota, we also get a huge boost to our collective ego. It's hard not to let one's civic pride influence feelings about the film. While the humor is not the kind of stuff that will have uh, viewers rolling in the aisles, Jingle All the Way has the look of a movie that's going to be a huge hit in Minnesota.
1: Do you think this movie portrays the people of Minneapolis well?
0: No, I do not. I don't I think so it was either. An absurd view. I thought For one it was thing, so Phil
1: Hartman, Sinbad, and Arnold all live in the Twin Cities, and they all suck. And then also, there's like riots at the Mall of America, fighting people, or trying to get Turbo Man dolls. There's stampedes everywhere. A giant underground small Santa yeah. crime ring. I mean, I, I think that if that I would, if I was looking at it through that lens I would draw the exact opposite conclusion like I hope to god nobody thinks this is what we really like
0: yeah I thought that was really funny that's very strange yeah
1: so that's jingle all the way
0: how many stars do you give jingle all the way
1: I would give jingle all the way either two and a half or three stars
0: (laughs) all right out of four not five
1: out of four yep. um it has some really funny stuff It's about Christmas and it's fun to watch once a year at Christmas.
0: Excellent. Well, I think that that does it. That is our discussion. I hope that this, uh, chat will be almost as long as our, as the movie. You can almost, uh, do this as a simulcast along with the red letter media. Congratulations to us.
1: Definitely don't do that.
0: (laughs) Anything else you want to say to the audience? Anything you want to plug? If this were your, or did you have any more segments planned? Because you said you wanted to take over.
1: No, I just wanted to put the fear of God in your head. But yeah, Yeah. I I didn't. I didn't actually intend to take over. Besides asking if you'd eaten anything good lately. Uh, No, I have nothing to plug uh, except keep listening to Pat's excellent podcast. Hopefully, he's going to keep doing some episodes because it's very fun when he puts them out. I like listening.
0: Thank you so much for that. Well, thank you, John, for your time. And I had fun chatting with you. And uh, have a good one. You too, sir. Bye, everybody!